0: Making rands and sales of SA's entertainment industry. Business of Entertainment with Martin Myers on K-Talk. On K-Talk. Good evening. It's just past 9pm on a Thursday night and you're tuned in to the Business of Entertainment with me, your host, Martin Myers. I have a thrilling conversation lined up this evening. We're talking the theatre of the bush and its storytelling in common with all entertainment. You're sitting there going, what the heck is this? Who has he brought in now this week? Well, an eminent conservationist, a man who develops spaces all around South Africa for wildlife. What has wildlife got to do with entertainment? Well, it's all part of the entertainment economy. It's that leisure rand that you have to spend. You can either spend it on a concert, you can buy a book, you can go to a theater, or you can go to game reserves and that game reserve economy The name is Kevin Leo Smith. You might remember the name Pinda up in KwaZulu-Natal. Kevin, it's thrilling to have you in here tonight, and I am going to ask the self-deprecating question a little bit before we get going. you're You're married to one hell of a famous woman in South Africa, a lady who won Wimbledon. Good evening.
1: Hi, Martin. Good to see you again.
0: Thrilled to have you here. Come on, spill the beans. You're married to Gria.
1: Well, she was Gria Stevens. Yeah. And uh, so you know, she has two Wimbledon mixed doubles titles and a U.S. Open title and was number six in, South Af- in the world in singles in her day and one of the top doubles uh, players, both mixed and uh, ladies doubles. So uh, it was a long time ago.
0: Oh, absolutely thrilling. Glad I got it out of you. But let's talk about what we wanted to talk about. I've known you for over 20 years and when the show developed the business of entertainment, you said to me, Mart, you don't understand how big the business of conservation is and the availability of the leisure rand with all yeah. these options that you have available to yourself. And you said, it's the theater of the bush. What did you mean, the theater of the bush? Well, the,
1: the theater of the bush, it's, it's, it's all about communications and storytelling. And, and the reality is that um, you know, you, the idea of your safari guide, which is what really sets safari separate from other kinds of uh, travel and tourism, where you're, you're a kind of an observer. What happens is, is you, get, you become a participant. So you, you, you get more directly involved in, in that thing. And the theater is, is the backdrop is the bush. But your entertainer that's entertaining you is your safari guide. And, and very often in Southern Africa with a tracker, on the front and they team up and, and they entertain people through interpretation and they tell stories. And that's what enthralls people and that's what attracts them. It's not just the setting and it's not just the animals in and of themselves. It's it's how they're interpreted. If you just had to see a three dimensional view of animals and you had to inform yourself about them, you'd realise that you wouldn't get very entertained. But the guides and the tracker combination is the secret that makes it proper entertainment.
0: I mean, Kevin, I meet you, and we start talking. How would you describe yourself? What do you do? I know you've just come back from Gabon. you've consulted to the Botswana national Government. you were integral in setting up Pinda, one of the reserves in South Africa. How would you describe what you do?
1: well it's complicated. Um, you know I grew up in in the city of Durban and had no exposure to these kind of uh, worlds, but somehow, ever since I can remember, uh, I knew two things: I'd be involved in agriculture and in wildlife and conservation. And they might seem far apart, but actually, they—that's they, what agriculture drew me into into the the latter. And so, I studied a BSc agriculture, focused on animal science. Um, Realised when when we were looking for a farm, um, my father was had a business that was doing quite well. He's not also city based and so we wanted to buy a farm we found out that that the people who were selling farms really didn't know what they were selling and so I started an estate agency focused on farm sales and then at that time we had a quite a significant change that nobody really noticed at the time but there was a change to the game theft act and the game theft act before um, in a legal sense the wildlife were considered raised nullius in other words public property so all wildlife didn't belong to the property on which they were situated and the game theft act changed that enabled ownership and that changed everything for southern africa and the whole game life uh, game ranch wildlife tourism economy then evolved from that one legislative change and uh, that's why south africa and southern africa in general is quite different to the rest of the world even, and and East Africa in particular, where nobody can own animals. So that, to use an extreme example, which I'm sure we'll get to, things like rhino. um, In East Africa, rhino has has a commercial value in the black market only when it's dead. So all rhino are only valuable dead. In Southern Africa, rhino are valuable alive. The problem we have at the moment is the economics of that have reversed. So a dead rhino is still worth more than a live rhino, which used to be the other way around. And um, so that's what sort of led me from one to the other. So I describe myself as a resource economist more than than anything else, although I'm technically an animal scientist. Um, I understand the economics of resources, and that leads us into very broad topics that, that I'm involved in. So it's climate change mitigation through conservation, and that's what i'm doing up in gabon and pinda when you look back at it is exactly that resource economics we took undervalued agricultural land and we found a new use for it which was through wildlife and, and tourism and that made it more valuable which then completely transformed that entire region to where that region is worth many billions of rands more than it was under agriculture to keep conserved and so people who tell you that conservation doesn't pay uh, possibly using the wrong terminology conservation creates value and value is what we look after
0: you're looking after value but you spoke about rhinos i'm a creative and i'm listening to this tonight and creatives are always called upon either musically or with poetry or, or something else get involved help save the rhino help save this help save that is it sexy or are we looking at not the wrong animals, putting too much emphasis on A and not looking enough at B, which we can yes. do right now?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's correct. I mean, everybody, not every, most people want to make a difference to whatever it is that means something to them. And so, you know, the picture of a baby rhino or a picture of a rhino with its horn hacked off and blood pouring out and so on and so forth, are very emotive, and they 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 naturally attract people's attention. And and because they, they pull on your emotions, the people feel that that I want to help, I want to make a difference. And very often you're not what you shouldn't be trying to do is save a species. So it's not the save the industry. And I call it an industry. Technically it's run by nonprofits, but it, it has become an industry. And that's probably not going to save the whatever it is. Let's call it rhino for now, and there's a lot of um, technical points when you get into this. Like every industry, it's it's or every interest, it's much more complicated when you really engage with it, and so you don't want to superficially engage and lend your brand, your image, your name, your reputation to something where you haven't done your homework. So it'd be, it'd resist the temptation to respond to the emotive side of things and, and make some more inquiries. So if you really want to save rhino, you need to save the land that the rhino live on. And when you do that, and rhino is rhinos what we call in, in, in ecological terms a, a keystone species. And lions are a keystone species. Elephants are a keystone species. Humans are a keystone species because we have the ability to impact other species and so if you if you helping save the rhino as a keystone species, you'll end up making the rhino more valuable alive, if you look at it properly, and you'll end up making the land that the rhino run on more alive because the rhino are more valuable, which then makes the impala more valuable, which then makes the grasslands and the trees and everything else. And so you create a system of value. And when that system of value is there, by definition, you will also be helping wild dogs and lions who are at various scales of the endangered thing so the word endangered is is misused considerably so you know we can explore that further but but there's a lot more nuance in endangered
0: if you just tuned in you're on the business of entertainment with me martin myers every thursday night just after 9 p.m and i have the eminent guest kevin leo smith and we're talking about the entertainment economy and we're focusing on conservation and wildlife and why artists need to get involved but in preparation for this discussion kevin you said there's something simpler artists can even do right now on yes. their riders. You were talking about plastics. You were talking about all of that. And sometimes we look at the glamorous, I want to save the rhino, but we're not looking at home. What did you mean by that? Yeah, you know, Look, artists
1: are influential people by definition. You know, society naturally respects artists and looks up at them. And, and, and that's how it should be because you know, you've got people who are speaking to us in a, in, in a way – that makes us here. So artists are are incredibly able, whether it's music or poetry or any any other, you know, movies or theater, you're able to make a point in a way that that most of us can't. And so you you therefore make yourself an icon in various forms and and therefore your life is dissected and analyzed and, and emulated and so on. And so going down to refusing a straw when you ask for a drink is is actually an act of conservation and and so i think that wow. that that people uh, who in those uh, fortunate positions to influence others should look at those things. So you know d- one of my favorite expressions is that sophisticated people don't drink bottled water, and that immediately brings out a re- uh, exact opposite response because most people think I'm so sophisticated I drink bottled water. But the truth is in most cities in South Africa, it's not true for every village, the water that we have in the bottle is probably of a lower quality, it's had more Uh, of the goodness of it removed than the the water in our taps. And so it goes through reverse osmosis and it's very close to distilled water. And if you drank distilled water only, you'd probably end up dying. Hmm.
0: You've silenced me there. Let's dial back a little bit. I've listened to this. I understand rhinos. I'm not going to use straws anymore. (laughs) But I'm keen to go to a game reserve. I want to spend my leisure rand. How do I start and where do I look and what must I look for? I've seen prices in some of the places, and you can rec- correct me if I'm wrong, of 100,000 rand, South African rand, a night. Yeah. You've said to me places in Botswana are 4,000 US dollars a night. Let correct. me just times by 20, for ease of maths, that's 80,000 rand, and you've still got to get there.
1: Yeah.
0: Crazy. Yeah, look... Um, Where do I start?
1: Yeah, so the, this always leads to two questions. How can you charge 80,000 Rand and, and how could that possibly be worth that? And, uh, and then, you know, uh, does that exclude me um, from being... And, and the answer is that it's a very diversified and, uh, and complicated um, process that you can go through. So the first thing you need to start with is how much have I got to spend? And you work from your budget backwards. Um, I mean, if you do the simplistic thing and go to Google and say, I want to go on a Safari, um, you're going to get hundreds of millions of, of responses, including Safari web browser. So it's not going to lead you anywhere. And so what you need to do is you need to sort of narrow it down a little bit. And so you start out, so how much time have I got and and how much have I got disposable per to spend per day? And then try and work back from there. But but uh, in in the bigger context of things, Southern Africa is is a very prized destination globally, and Cape Town is the single biggest um, destination in Africa by a long way. The if you probably say why do people come to Africa, Safari would probably outrank Cape Town in global income for Africa as a whole as a single destination, Cape Town is, is the big crocodile and people come to, to Cape Town because Cape Town is what it is. But they also come here because Cape Town's in Southern Africa and there's two big features of Southern Africa, other than the Cape experience that people want to add to their bucket list. And that's a safari and, um, and Victoria Falls because Victoria Falls, one of the seven natural wonders of the world. So they try and fit that in on their first time or their only time to Southern Africa. So, you need to, to think about if, if Vic Falls is something you want to add to it, then, of course, it pulls you towards Zambia, Zimbabwe, or Botswana, which are the countries that that adjoin near the Vic Falls. And you can try and put your itinerary there. But the moment you do that, you've got to add flights and, uh, you know, all that kind of thing and starts adding expenses. So at the bottom end, if you want to go and have a, a good affordable safari, it starts with your own car and you can drive to places. The Karoo National Park, not too far up the road, is is a great experience. Um, you've got the Eastern Cape, um, private and addo areas and, and things like that. But normally what people really mean is that they want to do a safari. They want to go to one of the great safari areas of of, of the world. Now, that hasn't been a secret for more than 150 years. So the, the best safari areas in Africa have been known for 150 years. Nobody's going to invent a new one. And they They just don't exist. So Simply speaking, that in South Africa means the Kruger National Park and the greater Kruger National Park area. It's an area of some 2.1, 2.2 million hectares um, that's on the Mozambique border with uh, Zimbabwe at the top. And in that area, you've got all kinds of safaris. So now you've got your big five safaris. I want to see the big animals. And you've got the Bokiplast, to use a local thing, They're sort of. Uh, more, uh, I want to walk and ride a bicycle, kind of area where you can get exercise, and that's probably the biggest animal you're going to get is a giraffe. Those are around, uh, not too far from Cape Town, two three hours drive. You can get to some of those as you get to the edge of the Karoo, Eastern Cape, and and around all over in every province basically. So it it varies, but but generally speaking, if you take the price of a of a bed and breakfast. Uh, You can take a bed and and breakfast and probably double it as an average, and that would give you your entry-level type of thing. And then from there to 80,000, you know, it's uh, everything in between, and it all depends what you want.
0: But it's fascinating that you say how overseas people position South Africa with that. Off-air in preparation, you had some interesting thoughts about Kenya and the Masai Mara and that, that they're not closed off concessions. So what do you mean by that? 40 cars at a lion.
1: Yeah, look, the same thing happens in the Kruger Park. So it's it's this sort of private versus public um, kind of debate. So just like a beach is, is as I mentioned, the word nilius earlier on, public property. Uh, a beach is public property, so you can't have a private beach. There's very few countries in the world where there's such a thing as a private beach. And, uh, and so, you know, you can't control who's gonna, who else is going to come and join you at the beach. And the same thing happens in most of these uh, national parks where the national parks are set aside as a public good and therefore public have access. They have learnt in, in, in most countries now to put a, a quota on that. And so there's a restriction. So the Kruger Park will actually close gates when there's too many people coming in. So they might say at nine o'clock in the morning, so that's it, you know, until midday when a couple of vehicles have come out, we will only let a few more people in to to prevent exceeding what they they describe as the ecological carrying capacity. And that will depend on the level of infrastructure you've got. So the Kruger Park has quite a high carrying capacity in the sense it's got lots of good tar roads that people can get access to and you're not allowed off those roads, et cetera. When you go to East Africa most of the parks are public access parks and most of the lodges are outside the parks, not all of them, but, but quite a lot of them. And so they, they get access to the park as long as they pay the park fee. And the national parks have become used to accepting this park fee to, to run their budgets because their national contribution uh, for conservation purposes is rather limited. So they tend to let people in. So you then don't have control. So if you've got a great experience, for example, a, a Mara River crossing, which is something that people really want to see, and you see all these wildebeest plunging into the river and the crocodiles and the zebra following them and so on, a great spectacle, one of the world's greatest spectacles, in fact. Um, when you get to that crossing, the moment these, the dust starts rising and the things you, you get dust coming from behind you as all these other vehicles come Charging, Charging in. Charging in. And, and if you haven't put yourself right at the edge where you shouldn't be because it's not a good spot ecologically or you're interfering with the animals, if you don't put yourself there, some other vehicle is going to come and park you in and 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 take away your view. And it becomes this free-for-all, which is very negative. And South Africa has evolved ways of dealing with that to to try and prevent it. The closest example to that's on the Chobi waterfront in Botswana where that, that kind of happens, but it's a mix between vehicles on the shore and boats in the water and so on. So it is a negative, and it is something that's um, where people contradict the sort of hunting versus photographic uh, thing. The hunting safaris would never do that because you'd end up shooting each other. So mm-hmm. they have a lower impact on the environment, a high impact on the animal, but photographics sometimes have a very high environmental impact.
0: True. Kevin, it's been thrilling. We're coming to the end of um, this week's conversation on the business of entertainment. You're not busy next Thursday, are you? No, we I, can happen come back.
1: Be, I happen to be available, yeah.
0: Fabulous, because we need to touch on what your son is doing, Brent Leo Smith. We need to touch on you're also very tech-savvy. You're involved as a non-executive director in iMedia, making apps and all of that, and you're very Apple-positive, and you're positive about the continent. What... I'm listening to this tonight and I'm fascinated. Um, What motto do you live by?
1: Well, I always tell people you need to have a reason why you get out of bed and it should be a better reason than your bladder's full. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and so you know you need to think about it. it's an important point it doesn't have to be a public point but but a, but at least it's something privately you should know. For me, it's to make a to make a little bit of a difference every day. So it doesn't matter what it is whether you just impacted somebody who asked you a favor or uh, you saw somebody who was struggling to carry something and you helped them carry it. You know, every day you should make a difference, and 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 you should measure yourself by that because it becomes progressive in the end.
0: Do you wield power or influence?
1: Influence is much more important for me. Power, power is um, not all it's cracked out to be, in my opinion, um, because it, it, it tends to make you get over-impressed with yourself and you ten, then tend to use it negatively. So you want to be able to influence people positively and that's really much more important.
0: You go on a game drive, there's always a story. You've been doing this all your life. We're closing off the beautiful discussion we've had this evening on the Business of Entertainment about everything around the conservation space. There must be a story driving a van with someone or something. Well, there's You don't need to name, but you can… Well, I can embellish. name somebody that you were
1: indirectly… Well, actually not indirectly. You are directly involved with. So It goes back to Botswana days <laughs> when, when you're operating in Botswana. Um, Martin was involved with organizing uh, Michael Schumacher really at the peak of his career, um, both visiting Cape Town and visiting Botswana. So we took him on safari and uh, uh, had Mark Tennant, who's uh, quite a well-known. There was a a TV series called Mad Mike and Mark, and and Mark was one of those. Um, But Mark has got lots of talents, but one of them (laughs) that he doesn't have is the ability to drive a vehicle very well. And so here was Mark, taking michael schumacher on a game drive and grating the gears and trying to drive in third gear when he should be in second gear in the sand (laughs) and so on and eventually michael schumacher said to him listen stop you cannot abuse a vehicle like this when i'm here so i'll drive you and you'll just tell me where to go and so mark to this day says that he's had michael schumacher as his chauffeur so
0: fabulous 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 story um dangers on being on the wild, we seem to see a lot of high lux Toyotas. Is that the go-to car? I mean, Range Rover doesn't seem to work around in the bush, does it?
1: No. Um, yeah, it's it's actually becoming an increasing problem. the 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 increasing sophistication of vehicles is an extremely negative trend for, for the bush. The last thing you want is just to get a nice little engine sign with an X on it, in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of guests as a thunderstorm's coming. Um, in an open vehicle, it's just, you know, those electronics on vehicles are actually becoming an issue. So, yes, you, you 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 have to avoid it. So we're now left with very limited choices. Um, you can still get enough of the old Land Rover Defenders, um, and then you convert those into open vehicles. Um, but largely, the only vehicle with a solid front diff that, that are left now, you, there is a Nissan Patrol um, but that's an increasingly sophisticated vehicle to cut up into to think it's not a pickup. So it's the Land Cruiser pickup. And, and funnily enough, the, the uh, Suzuki Jimny um, is one of the few, but it's, it's very small. You can't fit a lot of people in it. So my son actually uses those for, for his vehicles. So you want two things, uh, three things, lack of sophistication, a solid front axle. And the final really important thing is a 750-16 rim where you can put a cross ply tire on that doesn't get punctures. All these tires that you buy nowadays, doesn't matter how much money you spend on them, are completely useless. The first thorn, they get a puncture. So um, that's really quite critical, actually.
0: I think I've just renamed you when you come back next week. Kevin MacGyver, Leo Smith. (laughs) Can you fix anything on one of those cars?
1: Uh, Well, I can to a certain extent, but I don't pretend to be a a mechanic but but yes the older vehicles you can do these modern ones where you got to plug in a computer just to start with they're a bit beyond me
0: it's been thrilling having you in this week kevin look forward to having you back next week to talk iMedia apps and what the youth can use and you're also very positive about artificial intelligence absolutely the final word is yours kevin
1: yeah look uh, the, the entertainment side of the safari industry is is really quite critical so you want to make sure that that to the extent you can. Choose a guide that's interesting rather than one that gives you facts because you really want to be entertained.
0: Thank you. And on that note, we'll see you next Thursday just after 9 p.m. from myself, Martin Myers, and my producer, the ever-smiling Barry Marie, who never cuts his hair. Thank you and good night. Making rands and cents of SA's entertainment industry. Business of Entertainment with Martin Myers on K-Talk. On K-Talk.